Welcome back to the Diversity in Tech Leaders podcast with me, Jess Sutcliffe, here at Coltech. We have yet another member um, of the Mentor Method team today, Joseph Kopser, who is a Chief Growth and Strategy Officer over at the Mentor Method. We've had uh, a few other Mentor Method people, Janice and Stephanie. Uh, so I imagine you are going to bring just as much insight to the podcast as them. So thank you for joining us today. Um, Thanks, Jess. I, Glad to be here. No, absolutely. And um, I mean, I guess I'll leave the floor to you and I'm sure you can do a better job of introducing yourself. So if you can give us a little bit of uh, insight into what you do at the Mentor Method and a little bit um, about you, that'd be great. Yeah, well, so I'll combine the biography with kind of how I got to now with the Mentor Method because both really marched down the same uh, path. So my background in leadership and development actually started at West Point and in my 20 years in the Army. And what I discovered in that time is that leaders who are deliberate about mentorship, leaders who are de deliberate about growing a bench of talent, of making sure that there were succession plans, that those leaders were not only overall better and their organizations ended up being more effective, but they themselves became the role models that so many other people behind them tried to emulate. I've said for years, people will be what they can see. So I took this notion that role modeling is important. Mentorship is a critical component of that. And so then now, what could I do when I was leaving the Army about 10 years ago to take those concepts and really build on them? So the first thing I did was took my master's thesis from Harvard, which was on mentorship and why not everybody gets mentorship, and build that into the teams that I was building in the private sector. My first company, we got really lucky. We were able to you know, be the right company at the right time, the right technology, and we sold our company to Mercedes. And then from that, I've spent the last really six, seven, eight years as a serial entrepreneur working with CEOs like Janice at The Mentor Method, build out their companies to be able to achieve their dreams and their goals as best they can. And then along the way, applying the concept of mentorship and team building and it's no irony, it's deliberate that the very fact that the mentor method's focus is to build mentorship programs at scale to benefit other people, for me is a win-win. It's a one-two punch. I get to take everything I've learned in mentorship and leader development and everything I've learned in growing and building companies, blend them together. And now you have uh, an explanation for why I'm so excited to be a part of the mentor method and to be working with Janice and Stephanie. Absolutely. And um, it sounds like you've had a wealth of experience in that in that area. Um, just for the listeners that are watching or listening today that haven't seen Janice or Stephanie's podcast, can you just give us a little bit of insight into the mentor method and um, a little bit more information around, you know, what the what the aim is for the company? Yeah. So I really want to start with the origin story because a lot of people can relate to this. So Janice, uh, at the time when she was working for one of the big four firms, was asked by her boss to develop a mentor program for the 150 plus people in her team uh, that were scattered throughout the globe. But the problem was, is that there weren't any resources given or any guidance beyond build a mentorship plan because her boss at the time knew it was very important. So when she went looking for the landscape of opportunities, there were some platforms out there and there were a couple of our still now competitors but what they didn't have was that double blind matching tool to be able to take people and match people based on skills and interests and personality. Because what she found initially were programs that said, sure, you can match them up and use this Excel spreadsheet. And she's like, well, wait, 
that means I'm either matching them based on what I think is best or maybe like by the color of the skin or gender. And sure enough, that's what was happening in her next job when she left there where people were matching her up based on the fact that, oh, you're a young black woman. We'll connect you with a young black woman. But who she wanted to be talking to were senior people in the company who she may not even know, but had there been a matching tool like there is now with the mentor method, they could be matched based on personality, skills, and interest, and create a better chance for chemistry. And so that's the mentor method. I mean, that origin story is what we're doing now at scale to help enterprise companies with a thousand or plus more people to be able to create mentorship programs, do it without a whole lot of heavy lifting from the leadership team or the HR team or the DEI team, whoever it happens to be that's setting it up, such that they can take a CSV file, upload it, and either based on a certain criteria for mentors or mentees that they establish in advance, or maybe it's career level, completely customizable to be able to help a person set up for their company, their organization, a program that once they prepped it, it can be ready to go in under an hour. And we're just thrilled with the result of what it means for companies at scale to retain talent, to create that sense of belonging, and to let people, even new members or junior members, know that the company cares because they're investing in their own development. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's a, a really big point to touch on there that they're, they're comfortable once they're in the job, because I think a lot of people in the industry, whether, you know, it's for performative reasons or whether they don't just think that far ahead is the actual reality of retaining the staff once they're in the position, because it's all yeah. well and good, especially because um, we're, you know, talking about diversity on the podcast, getting these diverse team members in. But if you're not doing a good job at keeping them there through you know, the likes of mentorship um, and providing, you know, good quality fits for yeah. personality wise and what they're looking for. They're not going to stay. And um, I mean, I know Janice was talking about the great resignation and um, if the if, if the employer's customers were, you know, hemorrhaging out like uh, employees are these days, you best believe they'd be putting all the money into the customers that they, they can keep there to make sure that they, you know, they're retaining the customers. But um, yeah people don't do it of not every but not every every company does it for their employees which are the the biggest asset yeah and we can put a price on that you know with retention depending on the skill set of the person that you might be losing it will cost anywhere between 20 to 100 percent of a year's salary for that person in just the cost or lost productivity in the churn of finding and hiring and retraining a new person. So the program that we have, this SaaS opportunity, quite literally pays for itself in the first year if you retain even one or two people, depending on the salary price points. And that's why the companies that have signed on as customers see it as an opportunity to do exactly with what you just described. 100%. And I know you mentioned as well, with, um, as well there with regards to personality fit. I imagine that's quite a, a difficult m metric to... Um, measure yeah. or fit how do you actually go about doing that if you know the ins and outs that would be really interesting i think yeah to, so to without going too deep into the proprietary side of it just think eHarmony. just think about the apps that are already out there that do a pretty good job of trying to weed through all the different folks so we start with really three of the most important which is your personality so it's a 22 question survey heavily weighted in the category of personality assessment, you know, introvert versus extrovert, you know, people person versus non people person. Do you like to start with a blank sheet of paper or do you like to start with a lot of guidance? You know, those kind of questions to kind of suss out who the person is. Secondly, of course, are what are those skills 
that if you're the mentee, what are the skills that you're lacking in or you feel you need to work on? And if you're a potential mentor, we'll be talking about skills. We're like, what are you really good at? What are the superhero powers that you want to share? Uh, and then the third, of course, are the industry types. So sure, you might be in marketing now, but you really want to get into design later on. So you can select that as an industry. And of course, if you're the mentor and you are really good in design, you're really good in marketing and finance, it's those three components that we put together uh, to create the matching score. And we will show a person three options. So if you're a mentor, we'll show you the three options for who might be a best fit as a mentee. And you can reach out to all three of them or just one of them. And it's the same thing in reverse for the mentees looking for mentors. But the other thing to highlight that we're going to be able to do that a lot of the industry may not be able to keep up with this is as we do matches and then we have the program and we do assessments and monthly check-ins, we're going to be able to evaluate our own success on doing the matching so that we can improve the formula going forward with more and more cohorts, more and more customers so that we can hopefully get somebody closer because mentorship is a two-way street by definition. Coaching may be a one-way street, like I'm going to help you on your public speaking, I'm going to help you on your but mentorship is two-way, where you're really discussing a lot more than just improving one skill, but it provides both the psychosocial and the career functions as well. And that's what makes mentorship so different than coaching or teaching. Definitely. And I think it's... Uh... 100% a, a good idea to you know be able to track your own progress as well especially uh, I know the mental method is very much an up-and-coming business you know mentioned in built in Austin and all the other places Forbes you name it you know that's how I came across Janice yeah. um so to be able to continuously improve the platform when it's so relevant to literally every single business otherwise um you know you wouldn't be hiring staff um yep. so i think it's an absolutely amazing platform and i uh, imagine it's got very exciting things coming so just to jump on to um the next question in terms of um the the platform and what you have to offer how do you believe the mentorship that mentorship benefits people um and in particular assists in building inclusive environments yeah so let's start with the last part first you talk about an inclusive environment or developing a sense of belonging so if you're new to a company, or even if you've been there a year or two, if nobody has ever taken the time to just ask what your career goals are, what your aspirations are, you're going to start to feel after a while like you're just that hamster on the wheel. And I had a boss uh, years ago in the Army, one of my first bosses, who that was his favorite question. And I love asking it whenever I'm in a group or whenever I'm leading a team or even just talking one-on-one. -on -one. And the question is super simple. Where do you want to be in five years? Where, where do you see yourself in five years? By profession, by location, by status in life. Where do you want to be in five years? And then once we kind of talk about that, we kind of get a complete understanding of the picture, and then we can work backwards and say, well, if you want to be the senior VP of engineering, you're probably going to need to want to have a one or two years of experience doing this or that, or whatever it happens to be. And that's the beauty of mentorship. So when we go into the value of mentorship, which is the first part of your question, uh, I'll go back to what I said a second ago. Really in the science, if you want to call it that, or the study of mentorship, there's really two goals or two 
parts, if you will. One, like I mentioned, is psychosocial and one is career functions. So take psychosocial, for instance. That just basically means everything that's been done to be able to be that voice or that sounding block for what I generally refer to as the crazy ideas. Like, you know, I was thinking of going and doing this. And what do you think about that? And, and then that gives the mentor the opportunity to kind of give that feedback that's more on the personal note that says, well, you know, being a public speaker would be great, but let's also remember that you're kind of quiet. You're a bit of an introvert. And so let's pull out what it is that you like about being on stage or don't like about being on stage or whatever it happens to be that is that, you know, that psychosocial, the, the confidence, if you will, the ability to see in themselves that they have the, the skills necessary. You'll, you know, go back to that phrase I said at the beginning, people will be what they can see. And that's really the psychosocial side. It's the mentor's ability to try to help paint that picture for the person they're working with to allow them to visualize in their mind and in their heart that I can be that person. I can be the district manager. I can be the VP of sales. I, you know, that I have it in me to be able to do it. Because a lot of times people have imposter syndrome or people think, well, gosh, they did it, but they're fantastic and they're all these things. But it's the role of the mentor to be like, well, wait a minute, they both went to the same school that you did, or they both had the similar early career progression you did. What they did differently was this. And if you just make a pivot here, and then that gives the person, the mentee, the protege, the ability to visualize that in themselves. So that's psychosocial. Over on the career side, the career function of what a mentor does, that's what people more traditionally maybe think of what a mentor does or stereotypically, which is opening up doors, sharing their Rolodex, showing, you know, sharing their contact to be like, okay, you need to be talking to three different people that I knew that are in the same situation as you, but 10 years before. It's going to be Craig and it's going to be Janice. It's going to be Steve. And I need you to talk to all three of them and then come back to me after you talk to them. Or, you know, they're going for that promotion. The career function might be that they become one of the people that write a letter on their behalf, or maybe even just pick up the phone and call the hiring person if they have a personal relationship to be able to perform those goals and those tasks, if you will, on the career function side. So it's one part psychosocial, and it's another part career focus. And that's why the mentor method, we focus on personality, the psychosocial side, but also the skills and in industry, the career side, because you have to have both. Otherwise, it's just a life coach or a professional coach or, you know, whatever. It's a one-way exchange. We want the two-way exchange on both parts of that role of a mentor. Perfect. And I mean, in terms of, because obviously there's obviously a massive benefit to employers um, and, you know, equally without saying it, who benefit candidates and people looking for jobs and, uh, you know, mentors equally. What would you say to somebody who is potentially thinking about um, getting involved with the mentor method from more the junior side of things? Yeah. Now, do you mean internal to our company or working with us as a potential uh, application inside their company? Application inside their company, probably. Yeah. yeah. So just imagine the scenario where you are the, let's just say that you're the head of DEI and your focus is on bringing more veterans into your company. And so the person would work with the mentor method. They identify the pool and the population of folks in their company that are the target audience, the veterans perhaps, or maybe it might be women in technology or blacks in leadership, whatever, or it could just be 
the general population of everybody in the division. It doesn't have to be just a targeted group. It could be the entire company. So all of those names are identified. Then simultaneously, the names of all the potential mentors, maybe they just do it by rank and they just say every VP and above, we want to be a mentor to every mid-level and junior person in this company. So all of those names are collected in one CSV file. They're uploaded into our system. And then that survey goes out to everybody. But if I understand your question right, it was about what does a junior person in the company, what do they maybe expect out of the mentor method? And that's pretty straightforward. So they'll do their survey. They'll see their options on who might be a good fit. They'll reach out to all three or however many it is, and then set up an initial phone call or interview or Zoom or Teams meeting. And then when that's complete, if there is an interest on the part of both people to follow up and ask the next question. And then we've got a whole series of checklists, like you know, identifying your top goals in life. All the things that would be important to an early mentor-mentee relationship. And for people who have no experience working with a mentor, we've got you covered because we already have all this checklist and we have resource guides for what to expect as a mentor. We have resource guides on what to expect as a mentee or a protege. And so in doing that, you can walk into this cold, go through our program, meet the potential counterparts, fill out the surveys about how it's going in the checklist every month, and it's all self-guided. And so whether you have a lot of experience with previous mentors, you just want to meet more, or you're brand new to the professional world, or sadly, you've been in the professional world for a while, but you've never had a mentor, we've got you covered on all those parts. Yeah, amazing. I mean, to be honest, I'm uh, upset that we don't have over a thousand employees in the company yet. We can always because... pilot something smaller with you all. Let's talk. I I hope so. I did mention it to Janice, but I don't know if uh, we'll get it. But the more money I make, the more uh, the more people will get. So let's hope at some point in the future, I'll be able to reach out and ask uh, ask if we could do it. Because I think, you know, I mean, in all industries, it's definitely important. But um particularly and uh, I mean I don't know if you know much about the staffing industry but because we you know tend to run our own businesses within a business it's yep. good to have really good mentors my director is an absolutely amazing mentor for me and he's taught me a, a lot in the past six seven months um, and also allowed me to you know explore areas that I want to search you yep. know where I can thrive in for example with diversity inclusion running these podcasts and providing insights to for people who are interested in you know joining companies that are passionate about diversity inclusion or i'm sure there'll be companies that you know listen to this podcast and think you know I, 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 the mentor method is exactly the kind of company that we need to be partnering with in order to maintain and keep our staff and provide a really good environment to yeah build employees um so obviously with this being the diversity and tech leaders podcast um this question is uh, of course important, but why is it so important to build diverse workforces? Well, the most important reason is if we don't get, just pick one area, gender. If we don't get near parity at 50-50, we are leaving tons of talent off the table. And that's just, uh, that hurts productivity, that hurts the overall workforce. And then more importantly, it hurts society when you don't have all voices included. And, and I've seen that from every angle, not just as a CEO myself. Uh, 10 years ago, after Mercedes acquired our company, I went out to make sure that our engineering team had as much of a 50-50 balance as I could find. 
and I failed miserably in it for a number of reasons. Uh, so at the end of the day, I it ended up that I only had two out of 18 women on our engineering team. And so I became deliberate in understanding that if I can work, no matter what sector I'm in, to be able to empower women as early as possible in age, and we'll come back to that in a second, to feel like they have a place, a sense of belonging in technology, then we're off to a good start. And one good example of where we're not doing well yet is my youngest daughter uh, is about to graduate next month with a degree in creative computing. So think part front-end developer, part graphic designer. She can do both with her brain. She's an amazingly talented person. But in the great majority of classes, when she was in her front-end development classes, she was easily one of, it was my wife leaving, goodbye, uh, <laughs> easily one of the few women in any of her classes, sometimes as low as one in 10, uh, sometimes as low as one in 15. And that's unsustainable for our economy, for society. So for me, I take it very personally. So I was saying a second ago about women in technology, we have to start as early in age as possible. Though so my wife and I, after we sold our company, one of the things that we were super proud of sponsoring is an organization uh, called Girls STEM. So STEM like STEM, science, technology, injury, math. Girls STEM, or actually it's Girls Start working with girls in STEM. So to try to start them out in STEM classes, but it's more than classes. It's actually after school programs and summer workshops focused on fourth and fifth grade girls. And the reason why is all the literature points out that by the time you get to sixth grade, girls and boys are at almost near equal ability in math, science, you name it, scores, tests, they are equal in almost every way to measure until middle school, or at least in the States, it's middle school, six, seven, and eight. That's when the buzzsaw of peer pressure comes and people form into cliques and people start to get, you know, uh, you know, bullying boys and mean girls and all the different groups start to break down. And so a young little girl in sixth or seventh grade who might be fantastic in math and science gets to become taught by her peers, mostly that she can't do it or more or worse, she shouldn't be doing it. And so if we don't figure out how to get that pipeline of diversity better, and I'm right now just talking about one category, and that's gender. If we can't do that, then we're going to leave human capital out off the table. And I can make the same argument when it comes to race. I can make the same argument when it comes to uh, nationality. Uh, I can make it in a lot of different categories, but that's just one example of how we can be doing so much better. And not to mention, if you want a wider range of customers, you better have a wider range of people making the products and services for those customers because there's nothing worse than having somebody try to make something for a group of people who they simply do not understand their buying habits. And that's just bad business. 100%. I couldn't agree, agree more with everything that you say. And I think, you know, a continuous point that's been brought up on this podcast is to get into uh students mind at an early age so they are very much aware of the capabilities of going into the tech industry whether that's as a woman regardless of your sexual orientation your gender identity your race your background anything um because i think like you said when you get to middle school age in the us and probably high school here in the uk um you are faced with a lot of 
stereotypes of what you can and can't achieve and the you know the the cool people which end up being not very cool in life um yeah. <laughs> usually have such an influence on you know who you are and what you're doing and you know where where you where you're going in life really um so i think that's super important and i think it can be quite overwhelming especially because i'm so passionate about this topic for me I feel like I can never do enough because I want to be able to help the younger kids being able to, you know, do talks and um, introduce them into fields where, you know, they can explore the engineering side of things. And then equally, um, you know, people who are growing in their careers as well um, and providing opportunities where they can feel included in yeah. their own environment. So it's, people, uh, it's. Yeah. People will be what they can see. And if people don't see that as a lane or a path or a career for them, they're just not going to go for it. A hundred percent. And I love, I absolutely love that saying uh, people, you know, be what they can see, because that's one reason why I started this podcast. Because I thought, you know, not every single organization has somebody who looks like them, sounds like them, comes from the same background, understands their background or um, tries to understand, you know, where they've come from in, in a particular background or demographic so that was a hundred percent a reason why I why I wanted to be able to do this um so I mean we've touched on it slightly there um from you know targeting people from a lot younger age um in terms of what the tech industry can do and companies as well to increase diversity and improve inclusion for minorities what other points would you have for companies and the industry in general to be able to increase and improve the diversity inclusion you're um, talking about the tech industry specifically yes yeah oh well, yeah what we, we, we is relevant to every industry really but obviously uh, i mainly do tech but if there's uh points from other industries as well we're absolutely more than uh welcome for that yeah no we, we have got to stamp out this uh you know this bros mentality that the only people that can be in tech were the stereotypical Silicon Valley, you know, white guys that just raise money, build a company maybe, or worse yet, fail at it and then get money again and then build another company. And it may be successful or maybe they fail at that. And yet at the same time, same time, a lot of other talented people who don't have access to that channel or that money uh, never even get to raise the money they need to build their companies. Uh, you know, everybody's heard those terrible stories of, you know, 20 years ago, raising money off the back of a napkin. And then you'll later on have a CEO of color 15 years later, you know, with an incredible track, track record and background be held to a different standard that just doesn't allow them to raise money. So we, we have to recognize uh, that the legacy of how we are bringing people into the technology world. So we just used one example there of, of my own daughter, of women in general in technology and making it more inclusive. Uh, and then, so that's on the talent side of it. But on the flip side of it, to be able to hire that talent, you need money. And I gave that example of, just how lopsided it is. I think, and you can share this with the viewers and listeners in the notes below later on, but the number percentage-wise of Black-owned businesses that are receiving venture capital dollars is tiny. And the number of Black-led women-owned businesses raising venture capital is so small, it is appalling. Uh, in fact, Janice Omadeki, CEO of the, of the Mentor Method, the founder, she's only the 90 fourth black woman in the United States to raise more than a million dollars of venture capital. 
So on one hand, great, celebrate the fact that we, you know, can we still see who they are? We know we can celebrate, yay! But on the flip side, only 94. I mean, there, there are 94 icons probably of different companies in just one one Silicon Valley investment firm, New York investment firm, Chicago investment firm. There's just there's a hundred icons or you know logos just on their walls, much less across the entire United States. And there have only been you know 94, 95 black women raised capital. So we've got to do it from the talent side and we've got to do it from the capital side. And there's no better way to do that than to be deliberate, to be deliberate in how you were hiring leadership and diversifying the supply chain of where you're sending your money. And you have to accept some risk. And that's one of the things that just drive me crazy. So, well, this person has never built a company before. Why would we invest in them? Well, I'm sure as hell glad no one said that about me at 42 when I was raising money for my first company. I had come out of the army for 20 years, but luckily they stepped away from their traditional formula and bet on me as an individual. And the same thing happens or should be happening for people based on race or gender or orientation, whatever it happens to be, they've got to look past their typical track record. Because as we know, especially here in the United States, if we only pick presidents based on what the color was of the president before, we have never had Barack Obama. And so it requires people to think differently going forward. A hundred percent. And I think um, to me, that's like 2022. The fact that, you know, Janet, I didn't actually know that either, that Janice was the, the 94th, was it a black 94th, woman? Yep. 94th um, black woman in the US to raise a million dollars. And for me, it's, um, it's, it's, it's crazy that we're having this conversation in 2022 and it's really sad, but at the same time, it's nice to see companies and to be honest, having, you know, such involvement, it's an honor to be speaking with all you people from the mentor method that I've had the chance to have a chat with because um, quite literally making history um, and hopefully setting the precedent for, you know, moving forward and, you know, for people not to see it as such a risk to invest um, and give a chance to minority com minority um business owners um so yeah 100 percent. i um and it's just uh, good business i mean yeah. women yeah women veterans in the united states women veteran-led companies are outperforming almost every demographic of veteran types in the u.s right now and it's phenomenal and i could give you a whole list of reasons why it's happening and why they're so outperforming their peers but it's about damn time and the good news is when we break past the threshold of 30%, and it's common in social uh, science and, and study, but when we get to any point that's past 30%, we're probably going to be able to stop talking about it. We won't have to talk about, you know, when 30% or more of the money goes to black women, we're probably going to stop talking about the fact, oh, that was the 1,225th black woman in America this year to raise more than a million capital. We're just going to talk about, yep. Another company raised more capital. That's phenomenal. Let's keep going. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I um just one question as well. I know this this isn't actually on the list, so um I apologize. However, I've just thought of it because you've been you've spoken a lot about um leadership and you've obviously had a wealth of experience in it. You know, you come across as very understanding and empathetic in terms of being able to help other people and understanding different people's backgrounds, even if it doesn't necessarily relate to you directly. What 
uh, is your leadership style and what advice would you give to somebody who is hoping to or currently in a leadership position and struggling and you know looking for advice on on that side of things yeah so quick answer just be the change you want to see i mean lead by example if you want to work in an environment that people are having fun and smiling and looking forward to coming in do it be the person that smiles and comes in do you want people to show up to meetings on time show up to meeting on time wow what a novel concept so that's the easiest way to think of it but really the the larger context to your point though is how did i joseph kind of get to now with the leadership style that i have in the world view and i'll tell you i was the product of a whole lot of mentors coaches teachers along the way who helped me kind of become the person i am uh there there was one in particular mrs audrey grievous you can google Audrey Grievous, Joseph Kopser, we can maybe put it in the show notes, uh, and a piece that I did on her recently about the impact she had on me. So she was my sixth grade teacher, and this woman was a force of nature. She was in the 1950s and 60s, uh, an NAACP icon. Uh, you know, I'm 51, so for your viewers and listeners to kind of gauge the time frame we're talking about, we're talking about the early 80s. I'm in the sixth grade, and this is a woman who fought for her right to sit at a lunch counter with her white peers. Just imagine that. And then now here she is, my teacher. And she said to all of us, if you see a problem, go and fix it. If you see a problem, go and fix it. Don't wait on the government. Don't wait on others. Do not wait. If you see a problem that you can fix, go and fix it. And so that has kind of driven me. But I think the other point to your question that I kind of heard in the way you framed it is, What's allowed me to kind of stay current or stay connected, if you will, is in every job I've ever had, quite literally since I was in high school, I've been working with people 18 to 25 years of age. Either early on in college, they were my bosses, or when I was a young second lieutenant in the Army, I was 18 to 25, and I was working with other soldiers 18 to 25. Then I became a company commander, and as I went up and Eighteen to twenty-five year olds building. All right, Joseph, it froze again. Then it froze. Where did it freeze? Yeah, we're saying when you were progressing. You know, when you were eighteen, twenty-five in the army, and then progressing, yeah. and then we cut off there. Sorry yeah. about this. <laughs> no problem. So I, I don't know how this will edit, be edited, but even if it's not, so I'll just go back. So by staying young and staying relevant is enabled by working with people who are young and relevant. So as a young lieutenant, I work with eighteen to twenty-five year olds in the army. When I became a company commander, I was still working with 18 to 25 year olds. And then as I got older and every job I had in the army, including teaching at West Point and teaching at the University of Texas, I was once again working with 18 to 25 year olds. When I built my first company, 18 to 25 year olds. So my whole career has been spent with people of every cohort from Gen X to millennials to Gen Y, Gen Z, millennials, whatever they are called. And I've worked with all of them and that keeps me younger and keeps me better connected to how best to lead ages and groups and cohorts of all different backgrounds. Yeah, so. I mean, it upsets me slightly. I'm not even in that category anymore. I've just uh, turned 26 last year. <laughs> That's quite all right, because in a lot of the companies now, the mid-level managers are the 25 to 35-year-olds. And the neat part is that they still call back to be like, I got a problem. I got this one person. What would you do? How would you handle it? And I'd say, tell me about it. And then, so I still get to work with them, but just not as much as the the younger cohort. Yeah. And I think, you know, 
touching touching on that you know I, I, everybody whether you know you are 51 years old whether you are 26 whether you are 18 everybody can learn from everybody um yeah. and you know just because you've had more experience in an industry obviously you'll have had experiences that you know younger people just getting started in the industry might not but they will also provide ideas that you know you potentially never would have thought of so i think you know that goes back to the mentorship working both ways um it's so beneficial for everybody involved um i mean i know we've touched quite a lot on the mentor method um and you know what you're doing there and experiences that you've had in the past but what do your what does your future look like what are the what are the future plans for joseph well, we're going to take the mentor method to become the industry standard. That's right now the focus there. That's what I love. And then as soon as Janice has got this company to the level that she needs it, uh, she'll probably turn around, look at me and go, okay, thanks, Joseph. And then whoop, I'm going to turn around and go find the next companies uh, to be able to help them build. Because at this point, it keeps me young. Uh, I'd rather be part of a company that's building and growing than sustaining. Like I love people that like to work in big companies with cubicles. It's not my style. Uh, and so for me, it's going to be a continuous cycle of reinventing myself with new companies and new opportunities. Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you very much for joining the podcast. I must add as well, if your daughter, when your daughter is looking for work, tell her to give me a call. I'm, I will be happy, happy to help her, although I'm sure using your platform as she's joining a company with more than a thousand employees she will be able to uh use benefit from that as well um but yeah please do tell her to get in touch with me when she's graduated i'll be happy to help her um but yeah thank you again for joining us today joseph you've given some absolutely amazing insight into the mentor method what you've done and advice to people that are listening today if you had one final message to leave the listeners what would that be people will be what they can see Help them 100%. see that. Yeah, yep. I love that. I definitely will be. That'll be my that'll be my tagline for this one. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> but thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, best of luck for the future. We are excited to see what the Mentor Method does. Thank you, Jess. Thanks for having me on. 